0: Every play, every musical, begins with some writer putting words on a page. Hello, and welcome to StageCraft, the Broadway radio podcast that talks to playwrights and musical book writers about the shows they've created. My name is Jan Simpson, and joining me this week is Adam Seidel whose fascinating new play, Original Sound, follows two young musicians as they try to make it in the world of pop music. It's playing at the Cherry Lane Theatre through June 8th. Hello, Adam Seidel. Welcome to Broadway Radio. Hey, thanks. We're really excited to have you here to talk about your new play, Original Sound, and it's got, um, I hope you'll excuse the pun, it's got an original premise. So, would you tell our listeners what the show is about?
1: Sure, well, I mean, I guess, um, simply put, it's just about people going for their dreams, and um, in this case, you know, it's about musicians who are, you know, trying to Break through um, one musician's trying to break through to you know like the upper echelon of commercial pop music, and the other is sort of fighting just to gain recognition for his
0: talents. Where did you get the idea for this play? Because it deals with subjects that we don't often see on the stage. Yes.
1: Yeah, so where I got the idea. Um, Was so I lived in Chicago. I'm originally from Milwaukee, but uh, I moved to Chicago um, shortly after graduating from college. And it was there, sort of in my path of um, writing plays and sketches and whatever, that I was a music journalist. And Chicago. Is a pretty unique city because it has a number of 1000 plus seats music venues scattered throughout the city. You know, like the Riv, the Vic, uh, the Metro Theater. These like beautiful venues, and so the night would just see what band was coming. Uh, mostly hip-hop because I, I've always been like a really big fan of of hip-hop, mm-hmm. and so I would see who's coming and I would contact their publicist and. I would interview them and go to the show and get backstage access. And, you know, I did this for about, you know, four years. And doing that, I really got like a glimpse of sort of the the underbelly, both good and bad, of uh, the music industry. And I, and I guess all that informed this play, which I started writing about three years ago.
0: The two main characters in uh, your play are Danny Solis, who's this uh, young. kid who creates beats for uh, uh, rap music or hip-hop songs and then there's this uh, young woman uh, Ryan Reed is that correct is her name yeah
1: yeah Ryan yep
0: and she's sort of in the mold of some pop singers who who...
1: yeah like a a Taylor Swift yeah
0: so why these two sort of prototypes
1: I mean, in a weird way, I sort of see myself as Danny, which is you know i mean i'm I'm obviously you know like a caucasian dude um not a you know latino twenty two year old but yeah, I just Danny was like informed by like a lot of people that I know that I had met either covering shows um or just you know friends that I have um or just things that are like inside of me i I'm not like a professional musician by any means, but you know i I absolutely was a music fanatic in my 20s and I did play drums Um, not professionally but um, you know so it was like music was always in there and and so I feel like there's certain elements of him that are you know inspired by all those as for Ryan I don't know exactly where she came from Um, she I think I just yeah I I don't have a, a good answer but but it's it's funny because when you write a, a character, you know, especially in earlier drafts, you have know, like this idea of who the character is in your head, and you can see them, and you can see, you know, how they look when they're upset or when they're happy. And that doesn't always translate to the page, you know, especially in the first draft. People are like, whoa! And you're like, no, dude, how, how do you look? But anyways, through drafts and drafts, we got Ryan to a place where oddly, you know, Jane Bruce, who plays her, is really on point with how I originally saw her in my head, you know, years and years ago during the first draft. So, so it's just like weird how that journey kind of happened, and, and it's quite wonderful, and I can't explain it. So.
0: <laughs> well, one of the, <laughs> one of the things I, I was struck by in watching this show is that Danny is an accomplished musician. I mean he's yes. and he, he's as accomplished acoustically as he is on uh, uh, the computer and I was wondering why that was important to you
1: that's an awesome question well because I think that's sort of one of the more uh, maybe the word is delicious moments when you know you see this kid and we all sort of have this preconceived notion all right cool he's like good with his computer maybe like whatever. I don't know if that's really a musician or not, you know, but okay, neat. And then all of a sudden he goes to the piano and he like plays this gorgeous, you know, piece. And it's sort of, for me, at least when I would watch it, you know, during rehearsal and even performances, I see it was really kind of like the draw dropper because it's like, wow, this guy is really a rounded out, wonderful musician. You know, he understands music and the fact that he chooses the computer, I think is such a interesting choice and that actually is informed by people I know who are accomplished musicians and you know not all of them but a lot of people do gravitate towards the computer because of the way that they can almost push their what's in their head they can push it further on a computer Um, you know you can make a sound sound any way you can push it any direction you want you can add whatever you know I mean it's really your mind is kind of limitless or the possibilities are limitless when you're, you know, using a computer.
0: But what this did for you Anna, and I, and I'm assuming your director, is that mm-hmm. it made it almost impossible to find an actor <laughs> because you've got to have someone who's. Convincing as a hip hop artist, someone who's sure. accomplished as a pianist, yeah. someone who can yes. play the comedy because there's a lot of comedy mm-hmm. in your show, yeah, but someone yeah. who yeah. is also dramatically compelling because there's a lot of drama in your show. Yeah. So, how did you find. For sure.
1: <laughs> well, that was, um, and yes, and that was definitely something heading into casting. Where um, Elena Arrojos, who is like the most incredible director, and uh, you know, I, I am so blessed to have worked with her. But in in talking with her and with uh, Daniel Ocanto, who is the uh, musical director, mm-hmm. who who made all of the beats that you hear, all the electronic stuff was mm-hmm. made by him. Um, so that so that made that aspect easy when you have someone who's amazing just making stuff. But anyways, back to your point. You know, it's not as hard. It's challenging, but there are people out there, especially in New York, who are accomplished musicians and good actors. And you know, it's sort of about just tapping into the right pool. And luckily, we were able to work with uh, Pat McCorkle over, you know, McCorkle Casting, and she had a amazing uh, group of people. But you know, like you mentioned, to put together the acting and the music and to be able to hit comedy and to be compelling in that role of Danny, which he really is like a Jack of all trades in what he does on the stage. And Sebastian who plays Danny was just like perfect from the start, you know? And, and I, I think Sebastian's going to be like a superstar. You know, I think he's going to be like a super accomplished film guy. And so we're, we're just like so blessed to have a guy like him to him on the show.
0: Yeah, I want to give his full name. It's uh, Sebastian Chacon.
1: Sebastian Chacon. Yeah.
0: Uh, yep. Who is just so charismatic on that stage. I yeah. wonder if you could also talk a bit about the character of Danny's best friend, Kari. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also the fact that Kari is played by uh, a non-binary actor. And I was wondering... Was that happenstance, or was that written into your script?
1: Well, that was something that sort of evolved. Um, It was something that was already there in uh, one form, where, you know, Kari is a character that is sort of searching for their identity, um, and that was always in there, but really solidifying um, the non-binary, that came when we... Uh, cast Leo into the role, who is also non-binary in real life. And um, that just felt like a really good choice, not because necessarily it's like a timely thing, but it just felt like a good choice because Kari is a character who is incredibly intelligent, um, incredibly cunning, but also doesn't quite know where they fit in with things and is in the process of searching and they came across Danny uh, at you know one of his shows and it was almost like for Kari Danny was you know almost like someone that they clicked with that mm-hmm. they they saw something in and understood and that was sort of the essence of their friendship and um, that's kind of what makes you know the the betrayal um that happens in the play so brutal that mm-hmm. you know it is this this moment for uh kari
0: one of the main issues i took away from your play is is that it's a bit about cultural appropriation who deserves mm-hmm. credit uh and this is so much in the news right now i mean we have yes. uh, the case with ariana grande and although mm-hmm. it's a I guess a year or so ago, um, Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams with the Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. song. But you started working on this beforehand. Um, yeah. And so I'm. I'm. What is there such a thing as an original sound?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to think. I forget uh, who said this, but uh there's a few quotes the one was that there's nothing uh nothing new just comes out of the air it's always informed by something uh so i guess by like that standard no and then there's another quote and i don't know i've always liked this though it's kind of terrible what it's like good or okay artists borrow but great artists steal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I forget who said that. Uh, like maybe that's like Shakespearean or something. Um, but yeah, I sort of feel like, for me, you know, my takeaway is that something is original if it is absolutely true to the individual that it comes from, and that doesn't mean it needs to be like something that we've never heard before. But if it's if it's an authentic viewpoint. Coming from an individual, then, then I think that in a way that's the most original we can be.
0: It also seems that the piece is about what people are willing to give up in order to be successful.
1: Absolutely, I mean that's that's a that's a big thing, and I mean it's a thing that like I you know I've been dedica- I've dedicated ten years of my life so far to, uh, you know, writing plays and trying to, you know, make a, a feasible career out of it. And I know in in my life, and, it, you know, it's amazing how weirdly the play speaks to a lot of things that are going on with me personally. Not that I'm like stealing people's work, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, it's sort of like Danny and um, Ryan, you know, they both experience incredible loss and they both really have to compromise. I mean, Ryan, especially, you know, I mean, it's it's this notion of I'm getting somewhere, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it. And then the reality of like what it actually takes and what you have to give up to get there. And then it's sort of like that line of, am I willing to do that? How much am I willing to give up to achieve this thing? And do I really still want to achieve it if that's what it takes? You know, when sort of that idealistic bubble gets bursts of oh I'm gonna I'm gonna get there whatever there is and it's gonna be on my terms because I'm wonderful and perfect. And I don't think that's ever happened. You know, I, I can't imagine it would be really interesting to look at the real behind the scenes stories of some of the most famous, you know, musicians in the world, you know, even like people like, you know, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles. I mean, I don't intimately know the, the backstories of their experiences but but I'm sure along the way, even with greats, that there were moments where they had to give up pretty big things and you know if even the greats have to do that, then what does that say for the rest of us?
0: and I think it's a a kind of a, a dilemma, if you will, that people face in many parts of their lives, not just yeah if like everyone yeah. yeah because it does uh play off that theme even if you're not a person who's immediately interested in the hip-hop world or the pop music world there's resonance for you too because it it's sort of a parable for For things that we're all uh dealing with um yeah but you've you've written about serial killers. You've written about <laughs> oil company executives. Yeah. Now <laughs> musicians is is there a through line? Is that, that draws you to a particular uh, subject that makes you say, "This is what I'm going to write about."
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So it's funny you brought up serial killers. <laughs> so I feel like each of those plays. Uh, Catch the Butcher in Williston, I feel like those are each parables as well, you know, because it's like the, the Catch the Butcher play, I don't know if you're familiar, but, you know, it's about this woman who's feeling horribly disconnected from the world, but the, the newspaper publishes, you know, a note that's attached to the victim um, of a serial killer, you know, an attempt to capture the guy, and she totally becomes like, Infatuated with this note because it's like how she feels about the world and it's her own disillusionment and so she finds this guy and you know they have sort of this almost quasi-utopian moment where they can like do their own thing you know and maybe live happy together because they understand each other you know i mean it's mm-hmm. obviously super warped but <laughs> it's supposed to be funny and you know it it totally falls apart so that's sort of one of those things where it's like maybe you can't escape it you know regardless of who you are you know you're always gonna have trouble in life you know finding like perfection and uh you know it's the same with same with Williston about uh, these people that go to you know conduct business and get deals done and you know they're like the best at what they do and they go into these like horrible situations uh with you know really tough people and they they negotiate their you know iron chin people and in that one, you know, the the crack has begun to form where one of the characters really starting to become disillusioned and question what exactly they're dedicating their life to. So I feel like it's not. I don't write plays about one topic per se. I, mm-hmm. I write plays about sort of offbeat, off kilter, interesting to me at least moments that maybe aren't like mainstream in theater. You know, like right now, I do actually want to write a play about one of those guys in a booth, you know, at like a subway station. You know, I don't have an idea what that play is going to be, but I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder what that person does all the time. My theme that I'm always exploring is, you know, what are you, how hard are you willing to fight for something and what are you willing to give up for it?
0: And I think uh, you do it really Really well. Oh, well,
1: thank you very much.
0: In in an original sound. And I think one of the things that is particularly interesting to me, at any rate, about it is that uh, it's a play that uh, appeals to younger audiences that we don't always get uh coming uh into the theater and yet Mm. at the same time it's very satisfying for a traditional theater goer as well so Mm. um so we want to thank you for that and we want to thank you for talking to us about it
1: it was uh my pleasure to be here
0: and thank you for joining us we hope you'll come back next time And that you listen to all the other Broadway radio podcasts, which you can find on broadwayradio.com.